and welcome. My name is Conrad Toll. This is Bizarre Conspiracies. And joining me today is the host, founder, and editor of Bizarre Conspiracies. <laughs> yes. Say hello. It is me. Um, I'm a little bit sick. I have a sore throat, so I'm not going to be talking too much. But we are here today, and we're going to be talking about an amazing topic I think you guys will enjoy. Uh, we are going to be talking about the JFK assassination with a uh, close uh, attention to a specific reporter named Dorothy Kilgallen. And now, if you are not aware of who Dorothy Kilgallen is, if you love the JFK um, assassination and you you want to know more about it, you're certain that it is definitely a cover-up, or you're uncertain and you don't really know what to make of it, you just heard crazy stories here and there, <laughs> this is the episode for you. I implore you, this is probably one of the most important aspects of the JFK assassination, because I truly believe the JFK assassination was a plot, and of course we'll go into theories later on after we present all the facts that we know, but whether or not you believe in the JFK assassination or not, this is definitely... We'll be presenting a lot of the evidence of, of the main stories that go with it, the, the mafia connection or the CIA connection. All of it really does gravitate toward this unknown reporter, this highly underrated reporter that is forgotten in history, who mm -hmm. in her time really broke the glass ceiling before even people even had called it a glass ceiling. And I honestly don't know why more people do not know of Dorothy Kilgallen. I mean, at the time... I think she had. Uh, I think she had been nominated for the Pulitzer um, Award. She was uh, one of the main columnists for the uh, Washington uh, Journal, and this was back before uh, social media, all of that, obviously. But it was even before people were really getting their news from the TV. So this was back in the day where most people would get their information from either the radio or from uh, the newspaper. And Dorothy Gilcallen was one of the main columnists and writers of her time. She was quite the icon. And mm -hmm. uh, she had appeared in movies. Uh, and she did uh, host uh, several radio shows. I think two main radio shows over in her uh, actually relatively short career when you think about it. So, uh, but what one of the things that she is, did that was uh, perhaps one of the, the biggest staples of her professional career, even though it wasn't one of the most famous things that she did, but one of the things that she loved doing the most was uh, courtroom reporting. Uh, she would often go to many different uh, courts, and she was very well known among the lawyers and the, the big-time judges of her day. And when she showed up to a, a, a trial... In a lot of senses, the people that were there reporting on it would almost inevitably gravitate towards her, being like, oh, oh Dorothy Kilgallen is here. This must be a big case. Anyway, uh, so she was a, a very, uh, probably the most well-known reporter at the JFK assassination trials and all of that. See, there was uh, the trial of Jack Ruby. Although Oswald had never seen a day in court because he was assassinated by Jack Ruby, all of the court proceedings around the JFK assassination all had to have been around uh, Jack Ruby. 
So all of the major actual investigative evidence that was presented by uh, sheriffs or other law enforcement, like the detectives and all of that, were all about Jack Ruby. All of the official reporting around surrounding the JFK assassination was presented at the Warren Commission and Jack Ruby's um, a trial. The only reporter to ever talk to Jack Ruby was Dorothy Kilgallen. There was probably over a hundred reporters who covered that were there in the courtroom uh, watching the prosecution of Jack Ruby, but only one of them actually approached and got a uh, meeting with Jack Ruby. So this, this is actually kind of a sad story because although Dorothy Kilgallen had so much access to information, she is known colloquially uh, by some as the reporter who knew too much. I believe that she was assassinated because of the information that she knew. She died not long after her um, meeting with uh, Jack Ruby. She never discussed what she said with Jack Ruby or anything like that. However, she made some statements to many different people that she found some seriously incriminating evidence around uh, a multiple assassination uh assassin assassination a multiple assassin assassination there we go mm-hmm. um, which is really sad because she was a famous and not because she was famous she was very good at her job she was the kind of journalist that, that we wish we had these days um yeah so i suppose it's time to really dive into the facts and go through the timeline of what happened uh dorothy gilgallen actually knew JFK before he was assassinated. She was introduced by a mutual friend, um, a woman named uh, Frances Bridget, and she made, uh, she being uh, Dorothy Gilgallen, actually posted a column article about an affair that JFK was having with Marilyn Monroe. Uh, because one of the things that Dorothy Gilgallen was with a gossip, um, a gossip, what do you call them? Uh, a, a, a gossip article investigator? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I don't know what they're called. What she would do is with her connections to Hollywood, when people wanted a fluff piece put out for them, uh, so say a film producer or a actor wanted um, their story, another story, their, their movie, their play, their act, whatever it is, be highly publicized in the media and they went to Dorothy they said hey would you write a glowing article about this this is what she would do all right give me three detrimental secrets about someone else in Hollywood and I will do it that was her, her that was her uh, payment so she often would dredge up a lot of those uh, gossip articles that you would see uh, about Hollywood elites back in the day. So that is probably how she got a hold of the Marilyn Monroe um, JFK affair. Uh, not as though it was actually a very closely guarded secret. <laughs> if you've uh, listened to our previous podcast uh, about, uh, I think we called it uh, Birds Aren't Real. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Eric there was talking about uh, Dr. Feelgood and uh, the connection there that had with Marilyn Monroe. Now, Eric, did you know that Marilyn Monroe was assassinated shortly after JFK? Yes, I did. And did you know that she was assassinated by an overdose of barbiturates? Of drugs? Uh, yeah. Sleeping pills. Yeah. Over 40 sleeping pills is what uh, the doctor said, mm-hmm. though it was reported as an accident. And I, I don't know much about sleeping pills. Maybe you would know more about this, Eric. You don't take 40 sleeping pills, right? Uh, no, you take one. <laughs> <laughs> Could you maybe accidentally on a bad day take two sleeping pills and forget that you had taken one? Maybe it's take a, another? I mean, it's possible, yeah. How about three? No. How about 40? Absolutely not. So that's not an accident is what you're saying. No. <laughs> so did you know that Dorothy Gilgallon was found dead with three different types of sleeping pills found in her blood uh, and found in very similar uh, uh, state to uh, Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, I did know or I did read that, but I also read that uh, her husband, Richard, may have given her the uh, the sleeping pill dose. I don't believe it was Richard alone. Uh, I don't I don't so think so either. So let me present a little a little more evidence into this. So Dorothy Gilgallen uh was a outspoken skeptic of the Warren Commission. She said that there was always more to it. Uh when Jack Ruby was on trial, she was she had found uh, I guess the deposition before it went um, public, mm-hmm. and she put a large portion of that out into um, the, the mass media, into the newspaper, before it was released publicly. And the reason that she said that she did that is that way it would force the whoever was going to put it out, uh, the official broadcast of the, the trial they would have to include the parts that she had mentioned about because they were already out. She believed that there, at the time, the, the director of the FBI, a guy by the name of Hoover, was very famous for yelling, Oswald alone, Oswald alone, saying that Oswald was the only killer. And she very strongly opposed this view in her coverage of the uh trial she was compiling all this information that she had gathered uh from the jfk assassination the jack uh ruby interview the oh i I haven't even mentioned that she went to a she made a trip to new orleans where she said that she'd meet with an informant who had even more information uh this was a person that she had made uh after she had talked to jack ruby he immediately contacted this person in Louisiana, <laughs> went down there, and was going to make a second trip. Days before her second trip, he was found dead in her, her bed from a, an overdose of herbituin. And she then, her entire book that she had been writing, her folder, all the information surrounding all of that had disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, as Eric had alluded to earlier, she had a troubled marriage with her husband. Um, he had been having an affair beforehand. And after 
she had walked in on her husband having an affair. She swore that she would never sleep in the same bed again. Uh, in their townhouse, they had multiple bedrooms. It, I think it was a three-story building. And the bed that she claimed that she would never sleep in again, and the one that people around her said, yeah, she would never sleep in that bed, was the bed that she was found <laughs> dead in. She was found wearing her makeup and her hairpiece, which are also uh, things that she never slept with. The fellow who found her uh, said uh, often came and would help her get ready for her broadcasts in the morning because she had a morning show, I believe, called Breakfast with Somebody. It wasn't Dorothy, but anyway, where she would have a radio broadcast. And in order Mm -hmm. to get ready for this, uh, this fellow would be there. He was like, I guess, an assistant. And he said... Never did she sleep in that bed. Never did she wear a headpiece to bed. Never did she wear makeup to bed. Never did she wear that bed ga- uh, nightgown. I think also, she also had her eyelashes, her fake eyelashes yeah. on still. So that, so that that never happened. She also had a book nearby or on her bed. Uh, and But she didn't have her glasses. Her glasses were nowhere near the bed. So... She can't read with those glasses. And so he immediately thought this is a staged murder scene. However, no murder trial ever came of it. And her documents surrounding the JFK assassination, the Mark Ruby, or I guess you'd call it the Oswald assassination, and her trip to New Orleans was never mentioned. I do believe, I think that it was kind of mentioned that the husband might have uh, destroyed whatever evidence uh, she was she had that she was working on because he was afraid that he would also get killed for the same thing that Dorothy had gotten killed for. And at her funeral, um, some someone had approached him or forgot, forget exactly who, but they asked him, hey, could I have her remaining documents? Uh, I want to finish the story for her. And that guy, uh, her husband told him, hey, uh, those stories will have to go to her go with her to the grave. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's covering it up. That just means like, hey, no, you can't have them. I'm afraid that story's gone. Or that could mean, hey, stop digging into it. You're looking too deep. Uh, so I guess this leads us to uh, one other fella, John Pataki. Uh, now, a lot of the information that we're sharing with you today was discovered by a, a reporter, a lawyer by the name of Mark Shaw. He wrote several books about the JFK assassination, and he also was the one who wrote the book, uh, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, which is about Dorothy Gilgallen. And I would say that he is probably the number one source when it comes to the JFK assassination. So um, he's of the opinion that John Pataki uh, it was one of the fellas who actually murdered uh, Dorothy or was closely associated with it. Now, I don't know his full analysis of it i don't necessarily agree with him entirely but i would say if you want to know more about the jfk assassination or more of the information surrounding it uh definitely look into mark shaw's book uh reporter who knew too much and he has a wealth of knowledge for mm-hmm. first-hand uh, sources a lot of interviews he's done over the years talk to people who have done uh, uh interviews with uh people who are dead now but uh, who were first-hand sources and got videos of those interviews. So that he has a wealth of first-hand accounts, a wealth of first-hand information, and a lot of it you can even find. He's even put that up 
or submitted it to a website, which I don't believe he's connected to the website, but there is a website that he uh, that is about Dorothy Kilgallen, where you can find a lot of the things that Dorothy Kilgallen said about the trial. And of course, Dorothy is a firsthand uh, witness to a lot of this going down. She was in the courtroom. Right. Uh, she did, uh, and, and she's an amazing journalist. So a lot of the information that she put forward is very accredited. And she did not tow the uh, official <laughs> official story by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so definitely give him a check if you're interested. One last thing I, I need to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, the fellow behind all of this that um, is generally pointed towards in the JFK assassination is the mobster Carlos Mancello. Have you heard of him, Eric? Uh, Carlos Marcello? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, He's a crime boss, and he has uh, close connections with another <coughs> uh, crime boss. I think his name is Frank um, Frank Castello, who, um, wait, yeah, Frank Castello, who uh, knew Dorothy Kilgowan, and I believe because she, so, okay, so she had made, um, she had made enemies of everyone when during her years as a reporter, she had made enemies with uh, Frank Sinatra because she uh, uh, found some alleged ties between him and the mob. I don't know if it was ever proven, so I'm just going to say alleged. Yeah, she, she made... <laughs> uh, if you've watched The Godfather, uh, which The Godfather is based on a book, the there's a, a famous actor in that. I mean... Uh, and that fellow is based on Frank Sinatra in The Godfather. Anyway, I mean, it's pretty well known that Frank Sinatra had mafia ties. And that's how right, he made, right. so big, made his first big break in the Hollywood. It's because the mafia said, hey, this guy's going to be big. You make him big. So she knew Frank Sinatra that way. And she also knew Frank Costello. And so she had made enemies very quickly because of her um, investigations. She made enemies of um, of the Kennedy family as well because she found out they also had ties with the mob. The the mafia had helped uh, Robert F. Kennedy become elected, but then when he was um, pursuing to get rid of uh, the mafia, <laughs> uh, they kind of found that as like, okay, so now he's being disloyal to us after we helped him. So she had made all these ties and allegations and yeah, she made enemies of everyone. I think she even made enemies of the CIA at that point as well. Uh, yeah, um, she, she was releasing a lot of information that was in the courtroom from people who were around the courtroom, around the, the Jack Ruby um, investigation trial sort of thing. And she was putting out a lot of information and she had uh, the, the CIA asked her, hey, who are you getting this information from? She like, wouldn't say. And she said, and she would not tell she her. Would, yeah, she wouldn't tell her sources. her sources. And so she, they were looking for, hey, who is leaking all of this information to you? So there's two ways that you can look at it. The CIA wanted to get right to the main source themselves, or they were looking to put a, uh, a cap on a leak. Mm -hmm. And she looked at it as, hey, they're looking to cap a leak, and I'm not telling my sources. <laughs> so right. that she didn't make enemies of the, the, the uh, Central Intelligence Agency. 
So I think it's a good time to take a break now, and then uh, <clears throat> when we come back, we can, or Connor, I can go into the uh, all the theories and stuff of who did it, who might have done it, who had the most motive to do it. So stick around. We'll be right back. All righty. We're back from the break. So if you've listened this far, where are we at right now? Well, I'll tell you. We have the JFK assassination. Then we have uh, the Marilyn Monroe uh, death just, uh, I think, no, 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 it was just two days. No, no, no. She died before JFK. Then JFK dies. Then we have Oswald die just a little bit later than that. Then we have Jack Ruby going to trial. He meets with um, this reporter, Dorothy Kilgallen. Eight days after she meets with him, she dies. And then just and a then few years dies. later, um, her brother, uh, not her brother, uh, Mark, uh, JFK's uh, brother, uh, Robert. So what that puts us at is it's a long string of deaths that are all convenient. Then, a few years later, Jack Ruby is going in for a rehearing of his conviction, and then it's delayed because of a medical diagnosis that he has. He's diagnosed with a brain tumor and then dies two weeks later. Don't think he then ever had a the tumor. Then we have the connection of, uh, uh, we have a connection of, uh, this Charles Marcello guy, this mobster in Louisiana, who, uh, who's been first prosecuted by the Kennedy brother. He actually claims that um, he, I don't know if you knew this, but he went to jail a few years after the JFK assassination. And he says to um, the fellow, uh, two of the people in prison while he's there, he's, uh, he went to prison on uh, unrelated, <laughs> unrelated crimes because he did plenty of them. Mm-hmm. But he actually claimed in prison to uh, two other inmates that I killed JFK. I can kill y'all too. Uh, two of his underlings uh, said other guys inside of the um, inside of the the mob said, "You won't believe this. I just got orders from uh, the boss. I think the, it was Hoffy was the the name they gave for the other boss. You won't believe what we're told to do. We're going to go <laughs> kill the president." Mm. Uh, then you have uh, the coroner, uh, but not the coroner, but I mean, if you look into it, there's a lot of speculation over the autopsies, uh, the, the Warren report, all the errors that are found with that. I, I think the, the Warren report was officially discredited a few years ago, not too awfully long ago, but there hasn't been like one done since then. There's a host of issues that were made with Warren report. Uh, the autopsy of Dorothy Gilgallen uh, was off. It was signed by a fella who says that he wasn't even working that day. Um, it's just fishy business all around. So the general, uh, the fella that I mentioned before, the lawyer who we got a lot of the information from, wrote the book, the reporter who knew too much, Mr. Mark Shaw. Definitely check him out. Write it down. Um, Mark Shaw. His opinion is that it was most certainly uh, Carlos Moncello. My personal belief is uh, Carlos Moncello, although I believe he was involved, I don't believe that he was the only person that um, did it. I believe that there was definitely... Uh, government involved with it because you don't have the Warren report, which was ordered by um, really? LBJ. I d- you don't that that itself could not just be the mob. I, I believe that it was a uh, joint operation between the FBI and the mob. Uh, hmm. So the, I think that there was there were. 
So the same people do, that took out JFK, you're saying, is the same people who took out Dorothy Kilgallen. Absolutely. Because <clears throat> the reason why Dorothy Kilgallen died is obviously because of her uh, report on the JFK assassination. She dies and all of her work goes missing. So it's obvious that her work was the real issue. And Mm -hmm. what was her work on? The assassination. So the people who are most worried about it getting out are the people who did the assassination. So there you have to be one in the same. Now her husband could be in on it. He killed himself uh, as a parent. His death is not well uh, documented, but he did die within five years of her. And the circumstances could have been uh, suicide, which I would believe that he could have killed himself over guilt. It could have been. Uh, they did have a rocky relationship. Um, and if you just look at, I mean, I've mentioned the the notable deaths, the two Kennedy brothers, uh, Dorothy Gilgallen, Marilyn Monroe, Oswald, and Jack Ruby. All of these people died. And I would say that of all of them, Jack Ruby's death is the least suspicious out of all of them still a little suspicious but i would say that all the other ones are very suspicious yeah all in rapid succession which mm-hmm. you can't you can't really see this any other way than them silencing witnesses after they've killed jfk um i believe that there was probably a deal cut between the fbi and the mob where the fbi said you know you do this this hit and what we'll do is we'll let you take the uh the brother uh robert kennedy and that's what you'll get out of it but we want jfk dead and i believe that that was ordered by uh uh lbj and you know a lot of that this is speculation because in the end we have to recognize that the bad guys won Mm-hmm. They they've gotten away with it pretty much, got clean, uh, which is terrible, but it's the truth. So I mean, when you have a co- a great cover up like they did, they have all these government agency coming out saying that nothing happened. There was two investigations into the death of Dorothy uh, Gilgallen. One just in uh, 2017, and they came back saying no evidence was found strong enough to make a prosecution, which. I can kind of understand because in order to make a prosecution, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to do that for a crime that is as old as the 60s, right? So I can see why they would go, we don't have the ability to pursue this all the way through. So let's not even try. I can see that. But on the other hand, it's pretty obvious when somebody comes and looks at a death and goes, huh, this requires two eight month long investigations that there's something fishy about it. Yeah. Do I think we'll ever know? No, I don't think we'll ever Uh, know. I think it's possible one day if uh, evidence is ever released, but it will, it will have to be a self admission by the federal government. <laughs> um, exactly what happens. I don't see that which, happening. Um, I mean, crazier stuff has happened. You've got to look at like the fall of the Soviet Union. When the fall of the Soviet Union happened, there was a lot of information that would have never seen the light of day otherwise. So I think shy of a government great reorganization, probably not. But I do think that it is possible. Um, but what I do believe is I do believe that somehow that there's just too many hands working behind the scene for it to be just the mob. Now, the mob was powerful enough. Uh, Carlos Moncello back in the 70s, back in the 30s, in the height of his power. Forget uh, about it. 
uh, yeah, I think he could have done it. But in the 60s, the power of the mob had been greatly reduced uh, after, you know, the, the prohibition had lifted, after uh, after gambling was legalized, after alcohol was legalized. It, it really took away a lot of their, their dealing. Mm-hmm. And he lost uh, a lot of money with the legalization of gambling, uh, Carlos Monsello. Uh, do I think that, I mean... It's known that the uh, the mobs have controlled uh, large sections of the FBI historically, uh, which was which is ironic because the FBI was invented almost primarily to go after uh, mobsters, and that they ended up working for the mobsters at time to go after other mobsters, where they would be used as like a uh, <laughs> anti um, competition arm of certain groups, certain mafia families to go after other families. But do I think that they had enough power in the 1960s to not only... I think they still would have been able to do it. I think it would have... It's a stretch. It I would have been possible. to say that they have a power to control the Warren Commission, to turn away investigations into uh, Dorothy Gilgallon, the, bo- the President of the United States, turn away the investigation of the death of the President of the United States. That's a lot. I mean, that, that, that takes... <laughs> that is a lot. A lot of connections. I don't think that they necessarily had it in on themselves to make it alone. I think they had to make some behind deals. That's my guess. Do I think he's involved? Yes. Dorothy Gilgallen went to um, the headquarters, Mob Central, right, and she was planning on making a second trip right before she died, eight days after she had talked to uh, Jack Ruby, and that was her main trail. That's where her trail had taken her was mob headquarters, where uh, uh, Carlos Mancello was running out of his uh, his jukebox uh, Mm -hmm. uh, laundry company i I, that's my that's my theory anyway what what do you think eric well i definitely think that uh the mob had a had a big part in it yeah along with uh whatever government you want to put in there whether it's the fbi or cia i think they also had a part in it well i don't think it was a foreign government no Uh, a lot of people have alleged the Cuban government, the Russian government, but quite honestly, I think that if it had been that case, I think I think it would have been it would have come out by now. But I also think the husband did have a part in it, whether it was a, a small part. You know, I think he was still involved just yeah. for the fact that when you look at, you know, who benefited from her death everyone benefited but her husband also benefited quite a bit because when dorothy died he inherited like everything she had all the money everything she owned he inherited everything and if a divorce had happened between the two i don't know if divorce was common back in the 60s i think that divorce only got common in like the 70s i think it was pretty low but i don't think they would have gotten a divorce because from what i've read they had an open sexual marriage. Like she could sleep with anyone she wanted, and, uh, and he could sleep case, with anybody he wanted. Like, I don't think that came about as like a mutually agreed thing. I think that came about. Well, you're cheating on me all the time, and I don't have any faith to this uh, marriage anymore. You know, I think it was more of a they both came to the same conclusion, but uh, at different times in a messy maybe marital way <laughs> and then you mix all that with the fact that um <clears throat> they 
uh, well, I don't know if it was his son or it was uh, Dorothy's son from a previous relationship or marriage. I don't know if she was married before uh, then. No, but she, she did had not a, have a previous marriage. Okay, well, she had a kid named Carrie, and uh, uh, after uh, Dorothy was uh, died, uh, he uh, disowned Carrie. Like he he got rid of him, uh, uh, and I believe he was sixteen years old at the time, and he went to live with. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a foster home or if it was just with like distant relatives, but he went and lived with somebody else. And that all that just seems very suspicious. Like whether you think he also uh, died in his sleep because of barbiturates or because he committed suicide. Either way, a lot of his actions didn't quite line up with like a typical, you know, um, a husband that just lost his wife, yep. you know, like it just seemed really fishy. And I think he had a small part yep. in it and just for the fact that, you know, Dorothy didn't die in that, in the house, in that room with all her makeup and, and clothes on and stuff like that. Like she was obviously placed there. And I think maybe that was, if he had a, a small part in it, that's probably what it was that. And I don't think he, that he, I think his part to play in it would have not been him actually placing the body because I think he would have done a better job. I think he would have known, yeah, she doesn't sleep with her eyelashes on. Yeah, she doesn't sleep with her makeup on. I, I mean, if they're li- if they're living in and sleeping in separate beds, I don't think he would have known that much, well, honestly. I think so because they would have slept together beforehand. I think he would have known from like past years. I think his role in her death would have been opening the door, unlocking it, letting somebody come in, saying, okay, yeah, here's, here's maybe, her room. Maybe, this but is- then would you think about it, like, I don't think the mob would make such a critical error of leaving her the way she was found, right? Like, that doesn't scream I, I professional think, mafia. I think that they would be more likely to make that mistake than, say, uh, her husband. Mm, I don't know. I'm going to go with the husband. Uh, well, let me. I mean, now, Eric, you're married. Do you not know? Like, I don't know a thing about like, my wife. <laughs> so, if you were trying to engineer her death, you would be like, "Huh? Um, let's see. Uh, she sleeps in this. Maybe I don't know. That would be. Uh, you would be like, you would be clueless on how to set up. Like, yeah, this is her average everyday. <laughs> I, I plead. I plead the fifth. I don't know anything. Okay. Uh, true enough. I guess uh, there are a lot of husbands that don't know much. I mean, I about- would say the average husband, average husband, doesn't uh, know that much about like the rituals of what uh, their wives go through before they go to sleep. You know, just like I don't think they would know everything. And yes, I, I think, and I think maybe like the CIA probably told them to get rid of the evidence since he was, there was a report of him burning it or getting rid of it somehow. I think that was uh, his other small part in it. But other than that, I don't think he had a, a handle in the death of her. Like whoever did it was obviously yeah, a think, professional. Yeah. Um, my belief uh, or at least what I've been told is the way that it worked was they had slipped uh, slow acting uh, medications into uh, her drink because the fella that one of her informants 
that she had been with um, that they believe was a CIA plant. Um, the guy named uh, John Pataki, he, he was someone that had been that she had been in close contact with while researching this story and the idea is that she that this John Pataki guy was a uh, FBI or CIA or some other government agency informant who was spying on her seeing how close to the truth she's getting and mm-hmm. uh, he had gone out with her that night and that he had put slow acting uh, barbiturates in her uh, drink because this fella, um, this John Bataki guy, was in his own right, I think he was a reporter or some sort of a writer, um, which is not unheard of for uh, FBI informants to have um, a foothold in the media. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, Operation, I think it's Blue Jay or Mockingbird or something like that. Uh, very well-known connection with the uh, government and the uh, media department. They, uh, the idea is he had put out in one of his uh, writings about how he could poison somebody by putting uh, a lethal amount of alcohol, not a lethal amount of alcohol, a lethal, lethal amount of uh, other uh, drugs inside of a tonic or something like that without you being able to tell the, the flavor difference. There was also found on her bedside uh, a glass of water that had a large amount of um, <clears throat> barbiturates, not high enough of the concentration that was found in her system. So it wasn't just from this, but that there was barbiturates dissolved in her uh, drink. But the kind that was dissolved in her drink is not the type that you would typically dissolve in your drink. Typically, you would take it in a capsule form and then drink it alongside the water. You wouldn't just put it in the water. Um, so it, it he does seem to be the fellow who had the capability to poison. And some people, I don't know enough about it to say that he was the actual killer. But yeah, he typically seems to be the fellow who you would point to. Mm-hmm. Um it's just overall a sad, sad story. Yeah, and one that has been buried for so many years. Yeah. Like, I think the book that Mark Shaw, that we're basing all this off on, uh, the reporter who knew too much, I think that book came out in 2016, so not that long ago. Uh, in fact, I believe that it was his book that prompted the 2017 uh, re- re-examination of her death, which closed after eight months finding... Oh, not fi- I think the words were not finding enough to pursue. And then when they asked, well, what did you find anything? And then they said, uh, no comment is the uh, official state around that. So, well, very sad, sad story. Well, thank you, Conrad, for bringing this topic up to the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. It was uh, re- it's always really good to uh, get into a, an aspect of JFK that just isn't covered. And so if you want to know more podcast listeners about why Marilyn Monroe's death is uh, so ingrained with it, I would urge you to go and check out our <laughs> Birds Aren't Real podcast. There is a kind of comedic one we have there about actually birds not being real. And then uh, the more serious uh, connection with Marilyn Monroe and a fellow named Dr. Feelgood, which if you enjoyed this one, you will definitely enjoy that one. It's a little funnier, but it also shows why uh, Marilyn Monroe's death was so significant. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric, any final comment? Um... Hmm, any final comments? Let's see. If you stumble across something so big, yeah, make sure enough people know about it. Or the right people. 
or the real or the right people before you because, go uh, public with it because uh yeah i could end <laughs> it could end dangerous yeah it's probable that the john pataki guy knew everything and that Dorothy Gilgallan felt that uh, if she was to die, he would come forward with it. But he has come forward with zero evidence or stories about what she was writing about or what she was talking to him about or any of that sort of stuff. He was just quieter than uh, quieter than the tomb. I don't think he'll ever talk. Nah. Uh, well, Eric, if uh, anyone wanted to follow us, where would they find Bizarre Conspiracies? You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, literally anywhere. If you want to email us, you can do that at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's a one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. It'll also be in the description. And yeah, I guess I guess that'll be it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you in the next podcast.